0: Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. And they are here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. Have you had a leaky roof? We did, and it was a nightmare, but through Angie, we found an amazing roofer who specialized in flat roofs, and he fixed it right and quickly. Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps, or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today. The app and website are both free to use. That's Angie.com. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a
1: total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door,
0: This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. We've got a lot on the program today. The U.S. House opened hearings on UFOs in America. I'll share some information about that with you that I think is absolutely fascinating. How would America react? If we were to actually discover a, an alien intelligence or if they were to discover us and reveal themselves, how, how, how would we react? Would it depend on what color they were? Also, is coronavirus gonna be like a bad common cold we just live with? Or is it gonna end up being like malaria in Central Africa? I'll explain all this to you in uh, uh, over the course of this first half hour. And also, geeky science. They think they may have found one of the clues to what's causing long COVID, and it may have something to do with our guts. And also, on this day in history, George Wallace won the Michigan Democratic primary. There's more to the story, and I'll tell you about that. Also, we'll get into an update on the Russia-Ukraine crisis. And was Trump stealing top secret documents for profits? Some interesting speculation from a former FBI agent. By the way, today is also primary election day in five states. Here in Oregon, it's happening. It's uh, Pennsylvania is the one that's getting most of the attention. John Fetterman is still in the hospital, but uh, he says and his doctors say he's going to be fine. He's got atrial fibrillation, which can cause a stroke, and is is very treatable. So uh, you know we'll see how that shakes out. To start out our program, though, I'm going to get into this. The UFO hearings are happening. Actually, I think that they just wrapped up. The public meetings lasted for about an hour and a half. And this is the Pentagon's task force investigating the UFO sightings. It says that they have now hundreds more reports than they had even last year. Uh, Scott Bray is the deputy director of Naval Intelligence, and he made that disclosure in front of his House Intelligence Subcommittee it's the House Intelligence Subcommittee on Counterterrorism Counterintelligence and Counterproliferation it's known as C3 and you know they did the this is the first open hearing on UFOs in 50 years and it's absolutely fascinating the report that was released last year by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence and the Navy and the Navy's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force the UAP Task Force found that 144 UFO sightings have been reported by government sources since 2004. That number includes, and this was the one that popped my eyes, that number includes at least 11 near misses involving U.S. assets. What? Andre Carson is the the chairman of the subcommittee. And he's a Democrat from Indiana, and he said uh, he hopes that this is going to bring the task force's work out of the shadows. That would be that uh, Pentagon task force on U.S. on Navy sightings. He said unidentified aerial phenomena are a potential national security threat, and they need to be treated that way. U.A.P.s are unexplained; it's true, but they are real. They need to be investigated, and any threats they pose need to be mitigated. His uh, Republican number two on the panel also basically said. Yeah, this is about China and Russia, and we're going to find out what's going on. In other words, we think that these UFOs or UAPs or whatever you want to call them now are probably uh, experimental weapon systems from countries that are not our friends, which is also a thought-provoking question. Uh, There there was a a poll, a YouGov poll that was funded by The Economist magazine, and they found that 61% of Americans believe there definitely or probably is intelligent life on other planets— only 17% of Americans say definitely or probably not. 65% of Americans believe the government knows more about UFOs than it has really revealed publicly. This morning's hearing might have, might have uh, cemented that belief in that they met publicly for 90 minutes, and, they, and then they said, okay, let's go meet in secret now. And that's what they're doing. They're meeting in secret. They're having a classified briefing. So there's that. There's also the coronavirus. This is absolutely remarkable. This new research is published in the New York Times at Purva is the author of the piece, and it's titled and it's in today's New York Times, nytimes.com. How often can you be infected with the coronavirus? And, you know, back in the day when Trump was promoting the idea that everybody should just go out and get infected because then you'll have natural immunity and natural immunity is always the best immunity and we'll have herd immunity, won't that be great? And as a result, 900,000 people who didn't have to die died in the United States. But it was all predicated on this theory and it was purely a theory at the time because we had no experience with this COVID virus on the theory that once you got sick with this, you would have lifelong immunity. That was the sales pitch the Doctor Oz and Donald Trump and Doctor, uh, oh, what, what was who was the other crackpot doctor that he had? Scott, uh, I'm forgetting his last name. The the guy who was. Oh, and then there was uh, Ronnie Jackson, the, the president's doctor. I mean, there was just a, there was a bunch of them, right? Um, and there was uh, Scott was the guy who was the the leader of the uh, the, uh, the the FDA there for a little while, as I recall. Atlas. Scott Atlas, thank you, Sean. And. You know, what these guys were all saying was, yeah, yeah, go ahead, get sick, get coronavirus, it'll give you immunity. Well, this from literally from today's New York Times, the coronavirus has become more adept at reinfecting people. Already those infected with the first Omicron variant. Now, keep in mind, some of these people are people who got the very first Omicron two years ago, and then they got Delta last year, and then they got Omicron this spring. So to continue... Uh, those people may go on to have third or fourth infections even within this year, researchers said in interviews. And some small fraction may have symptoms that persist for months or years. In other words, long COVID. And they said it's really difficult to quantify this because so many new infections, second, third, fourth infections, are not being reported because they're being you know people are doing home tests. I just ordered eight new home tests. You know the the federal government is offering more free home tests. And, uh, you know, so this uh, that's, it says that leaves everyone, even those who have been vaccinated multiple times, vulnerable to multiple infections. Now, I, I've worked in Central Africa uh, on multiple occasions over the last 30 years, and, and malaria is ubiquitous there. And I'm wondering if the coronavirus is going to end up like the common cold, you know, that it's going to become, we're going to become more and more used to it. It's going to become more, less and less toxic, or it's going to end up like malaria, where if you're wealthy living in Central Africa, you can live a lifestyle that avoids mosquitoes and not get malaria, or if you do get it, there are medicines for it. But if you're poor, it kills you. And is that going to be how coronavirus plays out in the United States? Is it gonna be like malaria in Central Africa, or is, is it going to end up being like the common cold? Or, or both? You know, actually, I think, you know, the malaria thing is, that's, that's the, the metaphor that I think is most likely, but heaven only knows. Also, you know, there's, there's new variants coming down the road, so, anyhow, what are your thoughts on that? We'll pick up your calls after the break. Speaking the truth, the multinational corporations would really rather you didn't know all about. Steven in Seattle. Hey, Steven. It says here you're a yeah. physician.
1: I am a physician. been treating some COVID patients now for several, a couple of years. You know, I think it's impossible to tell where it's going to end up, but I think uh, the point that you made uh, talking about malaria versus COVID, I think it's a little bit of an apples and oranges picture. Malaria is a parasite as opposed to a respiratory virus. And, I know. You know, completely different than COVID. So I think kind of tough to compare those two. And then talking about you know, rich versus poor, you know, by all means, we don't have the best healthcare system in the world. But we certainly, I think, are doing a little bit better than Africa. You know, I'm pro-vaccine, pro-mask, all that, triple vaccinated myself. But my hope is that with the new drug from Pfizer called Paxlovid, we can kind of nip covid in the bud a little bit more than we have. So but there have been multiple be like,
0: reports now, Stephen, of people who've taken Paxlovid and then weeks later gotten reinfected. Apparently it short circuits the immune response.
1: Yeah, you know, I think we're still trying to figure out, you but, know, but, what. But to go, to go back
0: to, to my my, I, forgive my interruption, but I'm looking at the clock yeah. here, and we've got a <laughs> you know, break is coming. The reason that I was saying malaria in Africa, I've worked there and I've seen it, you know, and I and and mm-hmm. the 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 heavy burden of malaria in Africa, and it's not just Africa, obviously, but this is where it's most visible, is borne by the poor, and is borne by the uneducated. And the people who have good jobs and who can afford it, they have homes that have screens and nets, you know, they can wear mosquito repellent, they can, there are drugs. In fact, every time I've gone to Africa, I've been taking anti-malarial drugs. And, and, you know, there's been a whole evolution of them over the last 35 years, since the first time I was working in in Central Africa, you know, from the antibiotics originally now to the specific anti-malarials. But the bottom line is that if you're wealthy, it's easy to avoid malaria. And if you're not wealthy, it's really hard to avoid malaria. And when it hits, it kills you. And that, yeah. was, my, that was my thought with regard to COVID, that, that the people in America who are poorly informed or uneducated or, or poor and, ha- and, and haven't gotten vaccinated and don't know how to protect themselves and must go you know, work in the 7-Eleven or whatever, where they're going to be constantly in, you know, exposed to infections, are like those poor people in Africa with malaria. Y- you disagree with that analogy? Well, I think it's a little bit more nuanced
1: than that. Um, sure. You know, I think it's tough to compare those two diseases and, and two completely different healthcare systems. I, I don't disagree with you that diseases predominantly are going to affect poor greater than rich. That is 100 percent true. But I think you're looking at two different diseases and malaria has far. So how do you think um, about,
0: how do you think the, the covid is going to end up? You know, I mean, is this going to be like the flu that we get a shot or maybe two shots a year for? or is this, and, and, and you know, hope for the best?
1: I think we're probably headed towards a, at least a yearly COVID vaccine, if I had to guess, but you know, my guess is as good as anyone's, and if you've heard Dr. Fauci mention anything, you know, I, he just says, you know, I can't predict the future, and I think similarly as doctors, we can't predict the future either, but I think our hope is that it becomes less virulent, you're seeing less hospitalizations, and as we start to develop more and more therapeutics, we, like you said, end up in a place where COVID becomes part of our daily lives and everyone takes the necessary precautions that they feel they need to do on an individual level.
0: Yeah, the one thing that I'm waiting on right now is to see if the FDA is going to approve a second, or, or yeah, a second booster for everybody, not just old folks, or even a third, yeah. you know, or if they're gonna start saying you know boosters every six months because the immunity wanes after three months. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Stephen, thank you. Thanks for a thoughtful conversation. I appreciate it and your perspective as a physician. This is amazing. Frank Figluzzi, you know, he's a regular over on MSNBC, but he's a former FBI agent, special agent, I guess they call them. And he was participating in this conversation about the 15 boxes of top secret classified information that Donald Trump took to the down to Mar-a-Lago. And we don't know who he showed it to. We don't know how much of it has gone missing. We don't know how much he gave away. We don't know how much he sold. The original assumption was that somebody goofed, but now it's come out that these 15 boxes of top secret classified information were actually moved into the residence of the White House. Somebody had to pick them up and move them there so that the moving vans would then take them down to Mar-a-Lago. And we don't know who did that. But Figluzzi is speculating that maybe he did this not because he wanted to just deliver this stuff to Vladimir Putin. I mean, he had undone our cybersecurity, fired our cybersecurity guard, uh, czar, and shut down the cybersecurity office in the White House in the last year of his presidency, which allowed the Russians to come in and set up home inside the computers of the Treasury Department that we know of, and what we don't know is where else. But uh, Figluzzi is thinking maybe, maybe he did it for the money. Fascinating. What do you think? Also, our geeky science for the day. This is absolutely fascinating. Oncologist and geneticist, Ami Bhatt, was intrigued by this. Now, this is way back at the beginning of COVID. Was intrigued by the fact that people were throwing up and getting diarrhea from COVID, which is supposed to be a respiratory tract infection usually you don't get diarrhea from the common cold which is a respiratory and tract infection so what's going on so he started taking stool samples from people who had covid and then uh, thousands of years away another guy this was at stanford bought was uh i believe he was in india at Stanford, Timon Adolf was puzzled by gut symptoms in infected people. Oh, this is the Medical Inst- uh, University of Innsbruck in Austria. He started to assemble specimens, too, GI t- tissue biopsies it's from, you know, colonoscopies and stuff like that. And the piece over at nature.com says, two years into the pandemic, the scientist's foresight has paid off. The pieces of the SARS-CoV-2 can linger in the guts for months after an initial infection. The findings add to a growing pool of evidence supporting the hypothesis that persistent bits of virus, non-virus ghosts, Bott has called them, could contribute to the mysterious condition called long COVID. This is absolutely fascinating. I mean, there is so much we still don't know about this virus, and yet Donald Trump just unleashed it on the American public. Australia is very much like the United States, same language, very similar political system, very similar, you know, economic dynamics, uh, about the same size middle class, all that kind of stuff. Had Donald Trump done what Australia did in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic, 900,000 Americans would still be alive and they wouldn't be fighting long COVID. The ones who survived, it's incredible here on your media support group for We the People.
2: Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes.
3: There really is no place like home.
2: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or
0: download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Casey in Kingston, Washington. Hey, Casey, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, three things. Did you ever read that book, The Beaver Papers, that I sent you? No, I'm sorry. Oh, Okay. I have I, you, you I have literally to... a stack of about 70 books at home that I that <laughs> okay. I intend to read. Okay. Should the day ever come that okay. I have some extra time or I retire or something, okay. I don't know, but.
4: Okay, okay. Well, you will enjoy it. Okay, I have two things that are important. One is that I have a theory that we need to put into action that I think will help, and people can put this into action today. It's called the Republican Replacement Theory. Okay. And you can put it into action by going to the ballot box and voting out the Republicans. And, you know, the states can start doing it now, and all the states can do it come November. And, um, you know, so that's that's one thing. The other thing is that I've been following Cato and as your local epidemiologist on Substack, as well as a few other great bloggers. And plus, there was a great uh, thing, 32 Minutes in on PBS about the current state of the pandemic. And it's kind of a combination of where we were at in the trough, but just before Delta, my wife and I thought, you know we'll go visit friends in Mendocino and on the way back we went through southern Oregon on the coast and looked for a place to eat breakfast in in Coos Bay to uh, uh, Reedsport and you know we went into this one spot just before the bridge that sounded great called Mom's Cafe and it was elbow to elbow people poor ventilation not a single person masked, and they looked at my wife Nancy and I hostily you know and I said to her honey i don't feel safe here and we left right. and just starved our way until we found a place where we could eat basically outside and read sport in the marina Yeah, but it's like a combination of that time when everybody thought we had the all clear and the time before we had vaccines you know given that the number of breakthrough infections are increasing dramatically even for people fully vaccinated and boosted we have several family members who were sick in the last few weeks, several friends who've been sick. And these are all people who take every precaution, still mess, still social distancing, don't go out to eat and such, and they're catching it. And so, um, you know, it's like the fact that we're not monitoring this.
0: I it's all over the place, too, month, Casey. I, you, know, you know, over the, know. Over the weekend, yes. Louise and I were at one of our kids' homes, where we have a couple of grandchildren and a neighbor, a little neighbor, four-year-old was over playing with our grandson, and we got the the. In fact, it was while I was on the air yesterday, I got a text message from my daughter saying, you know, that little friend just tested positive for COVID. So yeah. I, I did a COVID yeah. test before I came into work this morning. I'm going to do yeah. one every day this week, and and I'm yeah. You know, Sharing them with Sean and Nate and Joyce, who I share a studio with. Perfect. <laughs> you know, I mean, Perfect. We're all we're all getting pretty uh, pretty buttoned up about this, but it's I yeah. mean you know it's it's rapidly becoming ubiquitous. It really yeah. is.
4: You're an outlier right now at this moment. I'm at a Jiffy loop, and I'm the only person here that's vaccinated. Amazing. And you know I can stay in the hermetically sealed in my car while they do it. I tried to do it at Honda, but the power was out. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so,
0: well, Casey, thanks for the call. Week. I got to run, but uh, good talking to you. And welcome back. Mark in Valley, Washington. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind today?
5: This goes to your UFO thing. You were saying that we'd nuke them. Uh, there's a show on the History Channel called Ancient Aliens that talks about you know aliens in the past, and they had a a guy on, now I don't know his rank, but he was the top dog at a ICBM missile silo in New Mexico, late 50s, early 60s, height of the Cold War, and he said that he was awakened by his staff because there was a UFO hovering over the missile installation, and it shut it all down. Took everything offline. Oh, really? And as long as that UFO was above them, it stayed offline until it left. So if they're going to come here... They're going to shut all that down so they can't be taken out.
0: Yeah, again, it's it's uh, Columbus and the Taino. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, technology meets a lack of technology, and we think we're super technologically advanced, but any race that could conquer interstellar Did space.
5: You. Yeah, they are so far ahead of us that there, there's nothing that we're going to be able to do except pretty much put up with
0: them. Yeah, yeah, amazing stuff. Okay, hey, thank you very much, Mark. Good to hear from you, Steve, in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind today?
6: Hey, good afternoon, Tom. Um, uh, I want to vouch for the last caller. He's exactly spot on. Ancient aliens really goes into a lot of good stuff. I've heard that story about the missile silos in North Dakota before. There's been stuff in in, in Bentwaters, England, back in around 1980. There was a couple in Rendlesham Forest. There was a couple of uh, people out there of the U.S. military that saw stuff. Um, the base commander Charles Halt. He didn't believe it. The next night or two, he went back out there. He saw it. Apparently, one of the guys—I can't think of the name off the top of my head—he touched the, the UFO, and um, something happened. But anyways, years later, he reco- re- was under hypnosis, and he recalled that it was a binary code type thing. Um, it could have possibly been from our future. They, they came back, but anyways. it Moving on to some other stuff.
0: Well, that's an interesting question, Steve. Is you know how much of the UFO phenomena that we're experiencing is not from outer space, but it's it's from the future? If somebody could do try, that's
6: wow. exactly like we wow. went into we went into the our people. It's from the future. Came back to like um, to warn us or something like that. But also like you go over into Nevada uh, back in the late eighties. You know, you have Bob Lazar. Working up at S4 there, uh, Groom Lake, and you know, um, in, in Nevada, mm-hmm. at Area 51, he was back engineering a lot of, um, sort of purported uh, uh, captured alien technology and things like that. And there's just there's just been too much stuff. The stuff that he said back then is coming through now. And people, people. I thought um, they had. They. That.
0: I thought they'd opened the doors to all that. You know, they, in Roswell, the the supposed crash. They said, okay, here it is, right here, and it wasn't, you know, what everybody thought. And I, I, I thought yeah, a the, lot the, of that it, stuff. Yeah, in
6: Roswell, be, they, they, you know, they, at first, you know, they said it was, you know, then the next day, Roger Ramey came out, and had a press conference, and says, no, 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 it was a weather balloon in this right. and that, But they had small caskets made. I think Glenn Dennis was the guy. Uh, the funeral director and in Roswell, a bunch of small caskets for those guys, the aliens and stuff, and uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's strange pretty, stuff. Too, Steve, I got to run. Yeah, I'm we, sorry,
0: but uh, it's, it's 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 a very interesting topic. We'll be right back. Eve Darian Smith just came out with a new book. It's titled "Global Burning: Rising Anti-Democracy and the Climate Crisis." And in that book, uh, well, actually in an op-ed over at Common Dreams about that book, Eve talks about how around the world, many countries are becoming less democratic. Um, The U.S. State Department refers to it as creeping authoritarianism. We've actually, since 2008, 2008 was the peak of the number of countries that are fully democratic. And it started sliding after 2008. um, And it's just, it seems to be getting worse every year. Um, and, And... one of the real hits to democracy around the world was the Trump presidency, for, you know, frankly. But um, what they what they found, what Eve, uh, Darian Smith found doing the research on this book, was that these anti-democratic, hardcore authoritarian right-wing movements that have taken over, like Bolsonaro in Brazil or Duterte in the Philippines and now, you know, Bong Bong uh, uh, Marcos and, and et cetera, that these right-wingers are heavily funded by the fossil fuel industry in most cases. That fossil fuel industry and fossil fuel barons see profits to be made or things to be extracted. And, uh, well, and, and it actually, it goes even beyond that. He, uh, Eve notes energy, finance, agribusiness, technology, military, and pharmaceutical sectors as well are working on are helping to fund the political careers and election campaigns to keep right-wingers in office and and uh, ever since citizens united here in the United States the data shows the candidates of the most outside funding typically win Uh, even since the 1990s the energy sector has heavily financed conservative candidates and as a result in in as a thank you they've expanded fossil fuel production 19 Republican state attorneys general And coal companies joining them sued to block the EPA from regulating greenhouse gas emissions. That's before the Supreme Court right now, and it's probably not gonna turn out well. The five largest oil companies, uh, 2019 report, found that the five largest oil companies spent over a billion dollars in misleading climate-related lobbying and branding campaigns just over the previous three years. A billion dollars over a three-year period to lie to us about climate change it's 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 pretty pretty breathtaking it's going on in in australia as well uh, uh morrison the morrison government scott morrison uh ignored widespread sub, uh, scientific and public opposition and opened a massive one of the largest coal mines in the world there trump pulled us out of the paris agreement rolled back over a hundred laws that protect the environment opened national parks to fossil fuel drilling i mean this is grim stuff On this day in history, 1972, a day that will live in infamy. Uh, interesting stuff was going on in Michigan. I lived in Michigan in 1972 on this day in history, and I, I remember this quite well. Uh, my dad was a Republican activist, as it were, uh, kind of a modest activist. I mean, he wasn't, you know, foaming at the mouth or anything, but um, he was there, and. Richard Nixon was going to get, uh, Nixon was the president, he'd been elected in 68. He was going to be reelected in 72. I mean, that was still in question, uh, but it's what happened. Um, And Michigan had what are called open primaries. Now there's two ways that states can do primary elections, open or closed. And in a closed primary, for example, here in Oregon, I'm registered as a Democrat. So if I wanted to vote in the Republican Party uh, primary here in Oregon, I would have to re-register as a Republican because it's, clo- it's a closed primary. Uh, I can't just vote wherever I happen to want to vote. Michigan though was then, I don't, I don't know if it still is, was then an, an open primary state. And so the Republicans, knowing that Nixon was going to be their nominee, there was no race in 72 in the Republican primary which was happening at the same time the Democratic primary was so all the Republicans showed up and voted in the Democratic primary and in doing so and by the way it wasn't just Michigan they did the same thing in Maryland which was also an open primary state and that was also on this day on May 16th the exact same result came out and that was that George Wallace won the Democratic primary vote in Michigan and in Maryland principally with Republican votes. This is, uh, you know, Nixon was the nominee. There was nothing going on on the Republican side. So, you know, just wanted to flag that for you. The history of the Republican Party engaging in dirty tricks and trying to mess with Democrats is a long one. First of all, Obama created an Office of Targeted Violence and Terrorism Prevention within the White House. It had a $24 million a year budget. It had uh, 40 full-time employees and a bunch of part-time people. Uh, Donald Trump came into office and he notified the, uh, the Homeland Security Department that they wanted to quote, reorient programs meant to combat violent extremism, to focus more on the threat posed by radical Islam. Cause you know, Trump was trashing Muslims. So stop looking at those white supremacists. And he scaled the program from uh, 40 full-time staffers and a $24 million annual budget looking at white supremacist extremism in the United States, changed it to look at Muslim extremism in the United States, cut it down to 10 full-time employees and reduced its budget to $3 million. And here we are.
1: the way car buying should be.
0: Obviously white supremacist extremism has been a thing in the United States forever. But I I would like to take this conversation as it were, perhaps even just one step farther. And that is to suggest that the next civil war in the United, the second, if the United States is gonna have a second civil war, it's not gonna be a regional thing. A civil war in the United States is not gonna be the North against the South. It's not gonna be Maryland against Virginia. It's not gonna be Michigan versus Ohio, or uh, you know, uh, pick, your, pick your states. It's not gonna be Idaho versus Oregon. It's gonna be what we saw this weekend. It's going to be stochastic terrorism. It's going to be so-called lone wolves, who are actually part of a much larger community. Part of it, you know, now tied into gamer communities. Part of it tied into, into specific websites. Parts, large parts of it coming out of social media. And it's going to be the assassination of people of color, or or uh, right to abortion advocates, or I mean, you know, pick your topic that people are willing to kill over but I think mostly it's gonna revolve around race and it's gonna be white people killing black people, white people killing Hispanic people, white people killing gay people. I mean, you know, we, we've got the Buffalo shooter this week. You had the, the, the shooter down in, in uh, Southern California, um, uh, you know, uh, killing Hispanics. You had the shooter in Florida at the Pulse nightclub shooting gay people. I mean, this, this is, in my opinion, what civil war in the 21st century In America looks like and if you think that these people have not declared war on the rest of us you're missing something this is a civil war and if we don't get smart about it if we don't wake up to this as a nation and I'm talking to you white people if we don't if we don't get smart about this and wake up to this we're gonna we're gonna discover one day that that Pastor Niemoller was right, far more right than any of us thought. Only you know. Let's rephrase it, right? First, they came for the Muslim terrorists. Then they came, or first they came for the black people. Then they came for the or first they came for the Native Americans, actually. Then they came for the black people. Then they came for the Hispanic. You know, and now they're going to come for you. When anybody is not free everybody is not free there's no other way to to uh to say it there's no other way to identify it so there's that also uh serious stuff coming out of the u.s or not the u.s conflict with uh, with uh, russia but the russian conflict with ukraine um three quick points i wanted to make and, and share with you and then we'll get to your phone calls um, the first is that the, uh, the Ukrainian head of Ukraine's military intelligence, is a, he's a major general by the name of uh, Kirylo Budinov, told Sky News that, uh, that Putin has blood cancer, is dying, and is about to be removed by his own people, that there's a coup underway that nobody can stop. Now, take this, you know, consider the source here. This is the head of military intelligence for Ukraine saying this. So, you know, I take that with a huge grain of salt, but this is not the first time we've heard this, number one. Number two, the G7 just had a meeting this last week. And the German foreign foreign, foreign minister, Analia, Annalina Baerbock, uh, hosted this meeting, and and in fact, it was held in a small town in Germany. And uh, this is the G7. This is Britain, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, and the United States. And she, she pointed out, and I'm quoting, up to 50 million people, particularly in the countries of Africa and the Middle East, will die in the next few months unless ways are found to release Ukrainian grain which accounts, end of quote, which accounts for 10% of the world's grain supply and about 40% of the grain, particularly wheat, that is consumed in the Middle East and Africa. This is a big deal. Canada's foreign minister, Melanie Jolie, said that her country, another major agricultural exporter, wants to send, or wants to help Ukraine export the wheat that they have already grown See, Ukraine right now can't export wheat, because the Russians keep bombing their ports. And Canada's like, okay, we'll supply ships. We've just got to have some safety here. The the Canada's foreign minister, Melanie Joly, said, we need to make sure that these cereals are sent to the world. If not, millions of people will be facing famine. So there's that consequence of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And now we're hearing that uh, Russia may have lost as many as a third of their ground combat forces in Ukraine to the Ukrainian military. And this is starting to puncture the information bubble in Russia. The United Kingdom's Defense Ministry, uh, this from The Hill, piece by uh, 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 Ola Hoffman Ocean, United Kingdom's defense ministry said that Russia has likely lost one third of its ground combat forces in Ukraine during the three months into the war. In the Twitter thread on Sunday, the minister added that Moscow's forces in the Donbas region have lost their momentum and fallen behind schedule. They've deployed as many as 150,000 troops, but 40,000 Russian troops have been killed, captured, gone missing, or taken prisoner. 40,000. And they have now retaken Kharkiv, and they have now, uh, the Ukrainians have now pushed themselves all the way back up to the Russian border around that town. So, stuff, I mean, this is a very, very tough situation, and it looks like Russia's losing. How's this going to play out? On the Tom Hartman program, helping you win the water cooler wars. We'll be right back. So a lot on a lot on the table here to discuss. We'll pick up your calls right after this. Robert in Bainbridge Island, Washington. Hey Robert, what's on your mind?
7: Hey, Tom. Good to talk with you. It Uh, says here you disagree uh, with me. (laughs) What's up? Uh, Well, uh, I agree with you in general. Just got back from being out of the country, though, and uh, the observation at this moment is that I think you continue to be a very important voice, similar to Cassandra, if you know what I mean. Uh, Warning of things that are very important. But I wanted to say, as a public health researcher and neuroscientist, I really urge you to think carefully about saying you don't have empathy at this time. Several calls back, someone was saying white males are a large part of the problem, or the majority of the problem. It's very true, but encouraging them to fight is not always a great strategy. B.F. Skinner a long time ago said that punishment is never effective, really.
0: B.F. Skinner who the raised behavior. his daughter in a box?
7: Um. <laughs> no, no, he did. That. Hey, Tom, I'm glad you brought that up. He did not. He put her in there when he wanted her to be dry and warm, but played with her, and she's now a very successful
0: commercial. Okay, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that, that straightened up. My point, Robert, is that uh, we have had a lot of years in this country to sit around and psychoanalyze and empathize with and feel sorry for white people who want to kill black people. Um, I have no. I, I am not willing to waste my time on that any longer. From the point of view of oh, you poor people, you poor misunderstood people, I think they should be put in prison.
7: Well, I agree with you that they need to be subject to what's called counter control. But if you observe carefully, you'll notice the more aggression showed by either side, the more there's counter aggression, and it becomes underground. And difficult to control. But that's and, that's no reason not
0: not f- not to have police agencies doing their police job, which is to keep the rest I of the I agree you safe.
7: with you. I agree with you completely. And that's really not punishment. That's really that's really social influence. And right. it's done best by by a positive approach of finding the people doing the right. And the ones that are not doing right, they need to be inter- they need to be interacted with. There's no doubt about that. But this civil war you're talking about, believe me. It's not something to encourage, is
0: it? Oh, I'm not trying to encourage it. What I'm saying is that these folks have declared war on us, and yeah. uh, you know, and th- I mean, this goes this goes way back. This goes back to the killing of of uh, uh, you know, of uh, oh, what was his name, the talk show host in in uh, uh, in Denver back in the day.
7: Yes, um, yes,
0: Alan Burr. I, I mean, agree you. you know, this these I these guys have been. You know, they declared war on America a long, long time ago. And, and well,
7: listen, listen uh, though I want to say, Tom, it was way before that that the enemy of the people was attacked in Norway. You know what I'm talking about?
0: And his brother.
7: Yeah, and his brother and his daughter lost her job, and they were thrown out of their house by by people that were fighting with punishment. It's it's, it's not a winning strategy. And, you know, that, that by the way, that doctor's name, I think, was Hartman, wasn't it?
0: I'm sorry, Robert, you're fading out here. Um, I'm sorry, uh, I hate to do that. Yeah, no, I I get it totally, Robert. I I just, you know, I'll say it again. The time for, in my opinion, or at least from my perspective, the time for understanding these poor, tender, uh, little white racists is past. I do understand them. I, you know, I grew up with some of these people. I know them, I know how they think. And it's time to publicly shame them and when they take the smallest action in this direction, to put them in jail. William in Wimberley, Texas. Hey, William, what's on your mind?
2: Hey, Tom, listen, um, when you tell people the next civil war is going to be fought in a particular way, and here's why, you're promoting that war.
0: I'm saying that that it's already been declared, William, and it is already being fought. We, you know, okay, people in America you're are You're saying
2: murdered. we're in a war. All right, fine. And I'm this no. What I'm saying I'm is that very
0: very ago, very the the white very supremacists out there are have. What I'm saying is that long ago the white supremacists. Yeah, you could just pot William down. What I'm saying, William, is that long ago the white supremacists declared war on the rest of America, and this is the form that it's taking. Back to you, William.
2: When David Dorn, uh, the retired police captain, was shot in St. Louis during the 2020 riots or insurrections, did you call that an act of war?
0: I don't recall any 2020 riots or insurrections. Uh, you know, there, was there was a huge in riot in St. Louis
2: and a retired police captain, a black man, by the way, was shot by another black man on the yeah. street What's in the back of William? the head. What's your point,
0: what's your in the point? back of the hit so this is so you're, you're you're gonna you're gonna really do this another white guy calling up and saying hey let's talk about black on black violence isn't that really the issue here is That's that not is, the issue. is that what you're gonna try William Dude. I'm not even gonna bother with that you know it's I mean it's it's like this is yeah you push my button all <laughs> Paul in Somerville Texas hey Paul what's on your mind yes good afternoon uh, I'm getting a
3: growing sense of dread back up to the 1-6 insurrection. And why has it taken so long to do something with Donald Trump? We saw him egg it all on, and now what they're doing is, is keep putting it off and putting it off. They're I know. having the, the What, in June they're going to have the public hearings? They're going to keep putting this off until... The, the republicans take over the house and senate they'll shut down all of the investigations and we'll be in trouble
0: i know i know and that's that's the plan paul i mean this is this is the the republican plan is to is to completely go with you know, overthrowing democracy in the United States and democracy. You've got 19 states now that are changing their election laws to either make it harder to vote or to make it legal for the state to ignore the votes of its voters and and choose whoever they want for the electoral college. You've got in over, maybe it's over 50. I'm I'm certain it's more than 30 cases. You've got people running for public office as Republicans right now claiming it uh, for, for, positions where they would be in a position to handle votes, from Secretary of State down to Danilo you know, County Election Commissions, proclaiming that they are going to participate in stealing an election on behalf of Donald Trump. You've got people who hate democracy. you got people like, you know, the idiot who called just a minute ago saying, oh, no, the, the real problem here isn't white supremacists killing black people. The real problem is black people killing black people. Let's talk about that. I mean, it's just, it just goes on and on and on. And, and uh, it, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm sometimes i reach the point where it's just like you know i'll just leave it right there paul it's a a frustrating day paul thank you for the call we need to clearly identify the fact that right-wing media and the republican party are promoting white terrorism in this country we need to, cl- to claim it and point it out. The Department of Justice and the FBI need to be doing more about it. I realize Trump cut their program in, by, a, by more than a three quarters, but we need to do something.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: My apologies, by the way. I, I just wanted to say this: this whole issue of this shooter and the right-wing support for him, and then you know, my getting a couple of calls from right-wingers, mostly people listening to Sirius XM. I know they've, you know, there's a couple of other right-wing channels there, and they'll dial across and find our channel and calling up and saying, you know, one person called and said, uh, and another person saying, "Well, what about when black people shoot black people?" And I just got so pissed off at it. I, 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 I shouldn't. I'm not laughing at the situation, I'm laughing at myself at how I essentially lost control for a few minutes there, and you know, I wanted to apologize to you for that. I'm generally a little tighter than that. <laughs> it's, <coughs> Pardon me. Let me just, here, a sip of water. There we go. <clears throat> Dennis in Aptos, California. Hey, Dennis, what's up? Well, I have seen two signs
3: already around here where I live, and... Liberal Democratic Santa Cruz County, vote Republican. Make crime illegal again. Lower gas prices. Put common sense back in our government. Fix their economy. Become business friendly. Stand up for freedom. Well, yeah, let's make crime illegal again. All those people that were involved in the insurrection on January 6th, from Trump all down, let's put them in prison. Lower gasoline prices. Very simple. Buy an electric car put our car, and spec on our government well it's, it's very simple for somebody who has, has the, the, the money pitch. to buy a car
0: Dennis, but it's not very simple yeah, i know i know else. well
3: some of them are cheap some of them, they're getting cheaper they and are. The other thing too and they will uh, and put common sense back in our government, California's just had a huge budget surplus. We must be doing something right. Fix our economy, ditto, we wouldn't have this budget surplus unless our economy was good here in California. Become business friendly. I see all sorts of real estate development going on wherever I go in and around San Francisco Bay Area and Monterey Bay Area. So real, at least the real estate industry is doing really well. So what a crock! Set up for freedom? Yeah, I guess freedom to walk into a grocery store and kill as many people as you want with that gun that you have. Freedom to buy, even if you're a nutcase.
0: Yeah. In summary, Dennis, your concern is that the the hard right, the the fascist right, has has co opted the words freedom and liberty. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: And there's nothing about them. I, I would love to like uh, you know I, I want to get a spray, a spray hug. Uh, uh, can, you know, when um whatever they're called, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, Don't vandalize a, other people's a black signs. marker and just put put Xs on all these
0: things. Yeah, no, and, I get it. Don't don't vandalize other people's signs, but you know, come up with your own. Dennis, thank you very much. I you know, I get it. I totally get it. Robert, Omaha, Nebraska. Hey Robert, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching Free Speech.
2: Yeah. I agree. It doesn't think like you should really have to apologize to the to those people even though you got kind of upset. At well,
0: I'm not apologizing to them. I'm apologizing to you. When I, was, when I was a teenager, my dad and I used to get in these knockdown dragout, not physically, but you know, arguments about politics, mostly around the Vietnam War. And when I was 16, he kicked me out of the house over one of these arguments. I mean, that's how bad it was. And, but the thing he kept trying to tell me was the minute you lose control emotionally, you have lost the argument. And, he, and, and finally, when I was 17 or 18, I figured that out. And I continued to debate politics with my father till the day he died. I mean, you know, when he was dying, there was a picture on the wall. His two favorite pictures were on the wall next to him. Me shaking hands with Pope John Paul II and George W. Bush declaring mission accomplished on the USS Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) But we never got angry at each other again. I learned that from him, and I I blew that lesson. And that's what I'm apologizing for.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I would just like to say that these people... They like to always deflect, and they always think they're right. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I, and and you know, changing the subject to uh, black on black violence and all this kind of stuff. That that's that was the one that really uh, pissed me off the most. Frankly, <laughs> forgive my language, yeah. Robert, but uh, I, yeah. you know, I've got to go back to the lessons I learned as a teenager and uh, deal with people from a place of intellect rather than out. Well, I can have outrage, but you know, it's it it can't cripple my ability to do a talk show. Robert, thank you for the call. Harvey in Evanston, Illinois. Hey, Harvey, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. A
2: lot of things. The world is undergoing some deviance that is unfortunate. Your program is very interesting. I am a uh, Harvard and Mayo educated M.D. Ph.D. UFO contactee. Oh, and interesting. In, so you you
0: you believe that you've actually had contact with a with a an extraterrestrial intelligence with certainty. Okay, you want to tell me about it? In
2: 1986 or seven, after I finished my fellowship in nuclear radiology and nuclear magnetic resonance at rush medical center i filed patent on some inflatable dome designs to protect us against chernobyl like nuclear power accidents by capturing escaping radioactive gases under an concentric series of inflatable domes with filters between
0: them that would what does this have to do with aliens here harry I need you to get to the point, well, please.
2: As a result of this, I channeled information about an advanced method of neutralizing radioactivity that came from Nikola Tesla and other consciousnesses that involve now fifty-two filed patents on over three hundred inventions.
0: Wow. So, so your experience was uh, uh, psychological rather than physiological, shall we say?
2: Well, I actually sat and witnessed right-angle turns of spaceships that were in contact through my then fiance that delivered information to us and were originally to have funded the creation of matter-antimatter reactors to replace existing nuclear power plants, but there was a War that happened as a result of that contact, and they disappeared. And I ended up creating the inventions myself. Huh. Okay, uh, creating right. uh, Harvey.
0: The Harvey, thanks for thanks for sharing your story. It's fascinating. I mean, we're getting these stories from people. Alejandro in Miami. Hey, Alejandro. Uh, hey. You want to talk? I mean, you're a, you're an attorney. You, typically, you call about the law. You want to talk about UFOs?
8: Well, I like to be uh, share various interests. I mean. We can all talk about the law two if you want, but I guess I want to share my theory about extraterrestrials. That, you know, obviously I do think there's living beings in other planets, other galaxies, just because the mathematical probabilities show that that's such a huge possibility. Yeah, it just what makes sense. Believe, right, exactly. It's more likely there's life than there's not life in other planets. We're not that special, right? That's what I want to emphasize. Right. And so, but I don't believe that they have visited us just simply because the technology to visit us isn't there. I mean, you can only travel so much. Even if you got a machine to travel the speed of light, which is very dubious that you can develop such a machine, it will still take thousands of years, millions of years for the next the closest civilization to visit us. And the only way they could visit us, I guess, in a faster time period would be like if they had a wormhole or something, almost like like I was just watching Doctor Strange over the weekend, and I'm thinking, yeah, maybe have a wormhole, and they, or they had a or maybe there's a multiverse and they can go through the multiverse. Uh, interdi-
0: interdimensional space, but you realize, Alejandro, that you are sounding very much like somebody would have sounded, you know, around the time of the founding of this republic. You know, if if somebody had come up to, uh, you know, the average person on the street and said, you know, is, is some, it is possible that somebody in in on in Europe can be uh, or Africa or anywhere else can be can be instantaneously communicating with you. You can see them. You can hear them. Um, and they would say, no, no, that's, that's not possible. The technology doesn't exist.
8: No, all right. No, exactly. It's crazy. But I think the, the science shows that it's there. And, of course, after watching the Dr. Strange movie and, of course, they explore the possibilities of other universes. I was just thinking, you know, I would like to go to the universe where Donald Trump was never president. I thought he existed <laughs> in that universe. But I- Totally disappointed to, right. <laughs> to find out. <laughs> right,
0: the aliens could show up. They could say, "You guys are a bunch of, of crazy racists." We have no interest in. <laughs>
8: oh, I think I think they would be. They're, they're highly disappointed. Not for I like seeing him. Yeah, and for
0: Yeah, I get but it, for- Alejandro. I'm, I'm sorry, you're breaking up. We got to run. Thank you for the call. And welcome back, sad news. The, uh, the Russian invaders to Ukraine have destroyed the uh, Ukrainian National Gene Bank of plants. This included seeds of some plants that have uh, gone extinct in Europe and in other parts of the world, in fact. Uh, they've gotten contributions to this gene bank of, uh, you know, from, from literally from countries on every continent. And uh, it's the world's largest national gene bank And it was located in Kharkiv, and the Russians blew it up. Sometimes you just, I I don't know, it's depressing. Louis in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Louis, what's on your mind today?
9: Oh, nothing much. I just wanted to respond to the gentleman about the alien visitations. Mm
0: -hmm.
9: Um, I think that's a mythology that's been with us for a long, long time. And I called to... uh, you know Carl Sagan's book The Demon-Haunted World he kind of uh, explains that uh, in the Greek mythology you know they had the uh, the gods that lived in the mountains or in the in the skies would come down and have congress with the women uh the earth women and they would have children and you'd have these hybrid children but uh, of course the Greek mythology is long gone but uh, well isn't that kind of it's, a it's, very isn't isn't
0: the Jesus story kind of a variation on that god impregnates uh, a woman
9: uh, yeah but anyway, I think that uh, around the time of Jules Verne, I think is, is about the time that it, uh, the eyes of the, or the Smith morphed into something else, where it became uh, alien worlds and aliens
0: visiting mm-hmm. us rather than the God. Right. That's a good point, Louis. We went from thinking of it. I, I wonder to what extent that correlates. I'm, I'm guessing that there's a high correlation with the uh, advances of science that that, you know because science has replaced religion for for many people around the world and and uh, or or religion you know old older religious beliefs have become uh, pseudoscientific at the very least and um, you know the the scientific power these studies on the power of prayer and stuff like that I mean it's 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 fascinating Louis thank you thank you uh, yeah okay, I think well, you, one, more, well, one
9: more thing I want to uh, shout out to uh, Uh, The Tides of Mind, a book I'm reading right now by David Kalintner on
0: uh, Consciousness. Very good read. Tides of Mind. Okay, I'll keep an eye out for it. Louis, thank you very much. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives,
6: visit TomHartman.com.